Well, it's a blessing, as I said, for me to be here. Uh, we'll be in the Philippines, Vietnam, and Indonesia. And so uh, uh, we go from a Catholic country to a communist country to a Muslim country. So there's lots of uh, different things, different ways to say hello to people, and uh, different uh, uh, cultures and governments. And some are friendly towards Christianity, and some are not. And, uh, but yet we don't believe in closed doors. There are lots of open doors that God provides, and uh, He just wants us to go forward and go through them. Uh, actually, we, we moved to the Philippines back in 1987 and uh, with our four lovely children, and now many years later, we have uh, uh, 12, uh, 11 grandchildren and one more on the way. Uh, we, God has blessed our mission in the Philippines. Now we have several missionaries. We have a Filipino staff. We have eight to nine Filipinos full-time on our staff. We have seminars every month all over the Philippines. We're interdenominational, so we work with all the different groups. Uh, we have a print shop, actually, in the Philippines. We have another one in, in, in India, up in Assam and Gohati. And uh, in the, our print shop in the Philippines has printed over 8 million tracks, books and booklets. And what's, what makes ours the best is they're free. You see, that's what makes them, because when you're talking about poor people, they can't afford. You know, we'd go to churches, and they couldn't even afford, uh, the four spiritual law is a great tool, but it cost, uh, back then it was like three pesos and 50 centavos, and some churches couldn't afford to get 50 of them. So how do you evangelize without something as simple as tracks? And so we saw this, this, this need, and so we've gone through three printing presses so far, offset presses. And uh, we've always used used ones. The last one was a, a $30,000 used one. But it was a big fancy thing. We had to break a hole in the wall to get it through, get it into the building. And uh, now it's, we've, we've, we've killed it. We used it so much. And so now we're, 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 um, our project is a new offset press. And uh, so uh, pray for that because we, we have uh, some donations, but we're, we're still, we still need more. And, uh, you know, when a person gets a track, a gospel track in their own language and reads it, they won't throw it away. And in Asia, they'll keep it, they'll take it home, and their whole family will read it. And you might have a dozen people read that one track in a week. That's how powerful they are. And especially because in Asia, they believe in the supernatural. It's not like in the, it's not like in the West where we're skeptical and agnostic. In Asia, they believe in the spirit world. They just often don't know the true and living God. And so there, there's an openness. And so uh, uh, we, uh, we, I brought some samples of our booklets. I used to put them out on the table, but people would take them. And, and uh, we'd run out of them because we only have a few. This is an inductive method, a Bible study. And uh, we've taught that all over the, the countries we work in. And um, I remember when we first started teaching it, uh, a pastor came up and he said, you cracked my head. That's how he put it. You know, a big smile on his face. Because they, they have to study hard. And we just don't, you know, give them the answers. They have to do the homework. And, uh, and so uh, I had another pastor and his wife came up. And they were big smiles. And they said, you gave my wife and I a headache. <laughs> and I, I said, well, thank you. And, uh, but they meant it as a compliment. It was a challenge. But when you can learn a simple method of how to understand the Bible through observation, interpretation, application. It becomes a tool that you can use over and over and over again. And one of the pastors really got it. And uh, I came back a year later and they said, you know, that pastor has preached through the book of Matthew verse by verse the whole year. 
And that was, he was so happy because th- they need, uh, they need the, the full uh, counsel of God. They need to know the, the, the whole Bible, not just, you know, topical messages. And so he, he was blessed. And so that we felt very good. That was such a great report. We also teach evangelism. This is our evangelism uh, uh, training book. And uh, um, this is the more very exciting because where it's legal, we have the people go out house to house and share their faith on the second day. We can do that in the Philippines. We can do that in in, in Thailand. And some places we can in Indonesia, some places you cannot. Uh, So this is we've seen literally thousands of people come to Christ. Uh, with this this training they're doing it we're giving them the tools they're going you know house to house we were just in um, Thailand we taught up uh, in the with the uh, Karen people we got to see uh, Gary our our wonderful missionary from here his lovely wife was with her uh, mother who had health problems taking her back to Korea but we were in the uh, the um, refugee camp Uh, over 50,000 people in that refugee camp we had wonderful training um and then we came down into Bangkok, and we taught the Thai pastors. And um, they went out the second day evangelizing, and 38 people came to Christ. Over 100 people got to hear the gospel explained to them. And that was just from one little seminar in, in, in Bangkok. So the Lord has blessed uh, these seminars. We do other things, by the way, um, other than the seminars. That's what I do and our pastoral staff in the Philippines. But we have a children's ministry. We have a street uh, ministry to them. We have they come from the slums, the poor areas, and we've been doing that for over 20 years. And these kids, they memorize. Some of them have memorized over 100 verses. Imagine that. And you just see them. They're this, they're they're thinny, they're skinny as rails. You know, it's not a compliment in in Asia to be thin. That just means you don't have any food. And so you know, they'd say to us, "Oh, you you look so fat." My daughters never found that a compliment, uh, but they just meant you have food to eat. And so if they know American culture, they might rephrase it and say, oh, you look so prosperous. That's a, you know, a nicer way for a Westerner to, to get that compliment. It just means you have food. These kids that come from the slum areas, they're just they're skin and bones. And we give them something to eat. We have some food. We have some, give them some juice and stuff. And then we give them the word of God. And they memorize scripture. And they're just so hungry. And so we, we, um, we have short-term groups that come over. We haven't had a group from our church from a long, for a long time, but if you're inter- interested, please come and see me. I have, a, I have brochures on the foyer about short-term ministry, and we would welcome you to, to come over. Our, our last seminar, we have other seminars, but these are the, the booklets I have, uh, is marriage and family. We believe that if the family, if the marriage is strong, the church is strong. And so uh, it's a challenge. You know, the, chur- the church gets attacked, families get attacked. Marriages get attacked. So we talk about very practical, biblical, uh, with biblical answers to practical marital problems. And we talk about conflict resolving. How do you resolve conflict? Uh, maybe you had a conflict on the way to church this morning. That wouldn't be unusual. Uh, we used to come with our four kids. Imagine as a pastor, when I pastored here, I, we had to have our four kids and be here early. How do you do that? And, uh, and then come with a cheerful attitude. Uh, many times I'd come, I'd want to be the first one to ask for prayer. <laughs> when I was a pastor, I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to have everything together. But uh, So we talk about how can you turn every conflict in your marriage into Romans 8.28. You know, turn it into good. How, how does that work? And then we talk about uh, uh, communication, how to improve your communication. 
We talk about budgets and finances. And for most Asians, they're, they're just uh, where we work. We work in the poor Asian countries. They don't have, they've never heard the word budget. They just they don't have any money. And so we teach them, you don't need more money. You need better management. And what does the Bible say about that? And so we, have a, we give them, they all have homework assignments. The first night homework assignment is to read the Song of Solomon out loud to your wife and make a half-page half, uh, book report. And some of them have never read it. These are pastors. And they go, wow, I can't believe it. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. And, uh, and we talk about love, sex, and romance in marriage. And, that's, and we save the best for last. That's what we talk about at the very end. And uh, uh, we talk about the traditional roles of husband and wife, father and mother, uh, and, uh, and husband, wife. And we challenge culture. We say the three enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. When we talk about the world, we talk about culture. There's good and bad in every culture. We have good here in America. Some of our culture is good. Some of it's bad. That has to do with family and marriage. You see? And I, I, I bring out of my, my, my own culture so they know I'm not picking on them. Most of them know I'm not. But we have some of our American culture. One of our American cultures is our American work ethic. You see? I was raised since I was a small boy to work. Work is good. Work hard. I had paper routes. And I'd get up every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning when I was 13, every day, and deliver that paper. And then also deliver one in the afternoon. I was really blessed. I had two routes. So I was a forever child. Work, work, work is good. And that's our American culture, our value, you see. Now, where does it go off? It goes off when we get married. And, that's, and Dad's still working, 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 working so much. He's just missing out on his family, his wife and his kids. You see, that's where our culture, at that point, it's not good. When you come in and, and your kids go, Mommy, who's that man? Oh, that's your daddy. And it is mine. He thinks he's doing the right thing because, you know, I'm doing all this for you, honey. But really, the kids and wife are saying, you know, I'd rather have a little less than have a little more of you. And so, but in Asia, I challenge Asian culture, you see. In many Asian cultures, the man is here, the woman's here. But in the Bible, it's not that way, you see. There's neither male nor female. So we challenge culture. And, uh, and so, anyways, that's a lot of, a lot of fun. And uh, at the very end, we, we have a marriage service of rededication. That husbands and wives will forgive and let go of any bitterness and resentment or unforgiveness, recommit themselves to their husband or their wife. Uh, last time I did that in the Philippines, the whole front row, and they were all uh, in their 50s, they all started crying, these husbands and wives. Oh, this is the hardest thing for me to finish that you know, service of rededication. But we really, we believe in these, and they, these are really, uh, they love them. And as a matter of fact, we actually got it published in, in Vietnam. This has the official Hanoi sticker on it, which is pretty cool. This, is, this was approved. And so this is, uh, the, with this seal, they, can't, they won't take this away. If you bring in a book from outside and it doesn't have that, they can take it. Or if, if somebody smuggles in Vietnamese Bibles and it doesn't have that Hanoi sticker, they can take that Bible. But uh, we got approval on that one, and, and the Lord is blessed. So pray for us. We're excited about what the Lord has in store for us, and um, we need missionaries. That's the greatest thing we need right now is missionaries. We need people, and, you know, we don't believe in retiring. We believe in recycling. We've had missionaries up in their 70s, and God has greatly used them. 
And so if you're interested in that, I, I have brochures out there. I have one that says, so you want to be a missionary? And I, I, I'll give you that one. I'll talk. I'd love to talk to you. I have another one that says, short-term missions in the Philippines. Oh, I have another one. It says, ministering to, to missionaries. Yeah. How can you help? That's good. Get a hold of one of those. They're all free. They're in the back there. And uh, Lord bless you. If you have your Bibles, please t- turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Luke 19, verse 1. God loves short people. You know, standing next to my brother, Pastor Ray, it, it made me feel short. <laughs> but that's okay. Because I feel pretty big in Asia. Where the places I go in Asia, they're about my size. So I, I, I feel pretty normal. And so, uh, but it's true. God loves short people. And uh, Zacchaeus discovered that in a personal way. And that's what we all need to do. Experience God's love. See, he loves you more than I could ever tell you. He cares for you. He loves you on your worst day. He loves you on your best day. You see? And he, he loves you so much, he sent his only son. I only, I, we have three daughters and one son. I, would never, I couldn't perceive giving my son if it were even possible. But God gave his only son. As we, these beautiful worship songs just retell the story. And he came as a lamb of God. And that's what, that's what John said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And if you want to know if God loves you, you look at Jesus. And you can see just how much he really does love you. Well, uh, this morning's message, we're going to go through uh, Luke 19. Let's, uh, let's go through the first uh, ten verses. And I'll be reading the New American Standard. And he, Jesus, entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax gatherer, and he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was. And he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. What a beautiful section of Scripture we have this morning before us. Well... I believe that he provides a wonderful example for us, Zacchaeus, because we have many obstacles in coming and to see the Lord, to get closer to the Lord. We have many things that can get in the way, our personal concern, our health, our emotions, our family, our our job, finances. Many of these things can get in the way and, and, and make it difficult for us to get closer to the Lord. 
And Zacchaeus provides a good example for us to follow. And my first point, and we have the points on the board there, true satisfaction is the hunger and thirst after righteousness. You see, this is the one thing that will satisfy you, is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Nothing else can satisfy but God. You'll always want a little bit more. They asked J.P. Morgan years ago, a billionaire, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. Here's a guy that could spend a million dollars every day and not exhaust his fortune. You see, the woman at the well. Jesus said, go get your husband. He said, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you told the truth. You've had several, and the guy you're living with now, you're not married to. So some people try to find fulfillment in material things. Some people try to find uh, satisfaction in, in uh, sexual things or in, uh, in you know, uh, things emotional, whatever it may be, power, money. And, and people look for many, many things. And what did the, the preacher say in Ecclesiastes? Is it's like chasing the wind. You just can't get it. And here's a man that had everything. And he said, but it's all vanity. Nothing can satisfy outside of God. You'll always want a little bit more. You know, when we, when we first came to the church here in 79, we moved from San Clemente. Can you imagine? Back then, San Clemente was cheaper to live there than it was here in the valley. Yeah, it was cheaper back then. Uh, apartments, everything, even houses were cheaper. This was a happening place. And they had the big banner. It's beautiful uh, to have Mission Viejo around you, something I can't remember. You know? And actually, this was the downtown. We're right in the downtown of Mission Viejo. This used to be a theater. This was the downtown. <laughs> Not much of a downtown. That was it, though. <laughs> and, you know, we moved from San Clemente to, we sold our house and moved up to Lake, uh, El Toro. Now it's Lake Forest. It used to be called El Toro, okay? And so, uh, and then all of a sudden, I, after we were here a few months, I thought, why are we seeming to be, uh, be a little argumentative? How, why, what's going on? And we couldn't figure it out. And I, then we came to the realization every day back then, uh, in San Clemente, in a week, we'd get this much advertisement, San Clemente. Here, we got this much advertisement on, on furniture, on, on this and on that, and, and new carpet and new cabinetry and, and everything back then. It was so much pressure in this community to go up and get bigger and better and more. And what, where do you live and what houses? It was just kind of in this community. And we came from San Clemente. We said, wow, what's going on? We said, well, look at this. This is how much advertisement. And sometimes we ha we're faced with all these things that confront us. That if you want to be happy, if you're not completely satisfied, you see kind of a thing. And, and it's just, it's in our culture. It's in our society. And so, but we're told that none of those things can fulfill. But if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, Jesus said, you shall be satisfied. Everything else, it's just you always want a little bit more, but you'll never be satisfied. I like ice cream. When I was a boy, you only had three, you only had chocolate, vanilla, and uh, strawberry, right? And then you, if you're real, you had those, those well, you get all three sometimes. Wow. Woo. Well, now you go look at the ice cream. It's from here to the wall. They got every flavor, every combination, every nut, berry, syrup, and I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. But you know, if you could taste every one, if the manager said, listen, I got a table here and a bowl, you just pick, go ahead. Why don't you try every one? Give me, what do you think? What's your favorite? But you, you know, you'd probably get sick. It'd be too much. And then, but he said, listen, you come back anytime, we'll, we'll fix you, we'll send you a few gallons home. 
But you know that it would never, you'd never, it, you could never be satisfied. Nothing satisfies. You always want just a little bit more. That's the problem with dessert. Wow, that was good dessert. Can I have another? Is there any more of that left? <laughs> you see, that's, that's human nature. And it's the way it is. And so Zacchaeus, he, he, he'd had everything. He was rich. He had money. He had power. He had a get-out-of-jail-free card. He was, you know, he was the chief tax gatherer. The other tax collectors gave him a percent of what they collected. So he had all that money, had all that power, all that position, and he was empty. He w- it was in an old community. There's a very old community, well-established community, and, and yet something was missing in his life. He could have the fanciest chariot, you know, with fancy custom wheels, maybe a couple flames, you know, have them painted on the side, good, you know, camels, whatever he wanted, he could have. But something was missing, and it was Jesus. He had all that, but he knew that he wasn't happy. Something was, something was missing. He'd heard about Jesus, no doubt. For This is the end of our, our Lord's earthly ministry, three years. All those stories of his compassion, of his miraculous healing, of his love for people, even for sinners. This is what was so different from the religion because they didn't like sinners, but the the stories of Jesus loving sinners, it must have got to him. He thought, maybe there's a chance for me. And so, you know, he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to seek him out. He wanted to, to know about him. You know, and Jesus called him a son of Abraham. He was raised in, in the faith. So he knew about Scripture. And even his name is very revealing in Hebrew. It means pure. So it gives us an idea of his parents. You know, they, 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 they had this little son, and they said, Zacchaeus, he's pure. He's going to grow up and serve the Lord. He's going to bring honor to our family, and, and, and this is glorious that he'll be used of God. And, and they gave him this name, Zacchaeus. And no doubt he was bar mitzvah. No doubt he studied the scripture. But somewhere along the line, he started to walk away from the things of God. And then he got all that power and position. And now his name probably, and just the thought of him, brought his parents such sorrow and grief. Our son Zacchaeus, what happened? We raised you like you should, but look look what happened. Broke their hearts. And here he was. He knew something was missing. He knew he needed what Jesus had to offer. And so he was, he was rich, but that wasn't enough. He had power and position, possessions, it wasn't enough. He was raised with faith in the Lord, but that wasn't enough. He had everything, but yet he had nothing. His his life was complex, but something was missing. And this reports of Jesus, it got his interest. This is what we need. The same thing that Zacchaeus was looking for. We need to hunger and thirst. I love this word, seek, to seek after the Lord. Jesus said, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened, ask and you shall receive. And it's all in the, in the Greek grammar. It's in the present tense. Okay, the verbs. It's like a dot and a line. It means continuously. You start to seek, and you keep on seeking. You, you knock, and you just keep on knocking. You know, there's something about it when someone comes to your door, and they just they don't stop. It's just, it's just kind of irritating. You just want to open the door. Who is that? You know? But if they just, well, maybe they'll go away. <laughs> you know, uh, Shonda is very persistent, and she's good at this. When she who wants something, she just doesn't let go. And somebody calls, gosh, she's like a bulldog. Well, you know what? She's persistent in those things that need to be persistent. And this is a good example, seeking the Lord. 
And it means continuously. You continuously seek. You continuously knock. You continuously ask. That's the relationship. That's the beauty we have in our God. I love the picture of Israel. When God changed Jacob to Israel, Jacob meant healed grabber, conniver, to Israel, meaning to wrestle with God. That's a relationship, you see? When you wrestle with God, you can ask. You can even be unhappy with him. You can even tell him you're frustrated. You can tell him you're angry on all those things. You can wrestle with God. It's a, a relationship, a, re, a real one, you see, not some religious thing. That's the difference between is, Islam. Israel, wrestle with God. Islam, submit. No questions asked, just submit. But yet with us, we have a relationship. And so seeking the Lord to hunger and thirst. Now, uh, this is what God wants us to do. As a deer panteth after the water, so my soul thirsteth after thee. Israel's is kind of a lot real similar to California, Southern California. Chaparral, it's just dry. And the deer would thirst, they would pant, they would seek after that water. And so our hunger and thirst for the Lord needs to be in that picture of a, a deer. And now even if we know this and we believe it, if we, but we, we, we have to also understand there's going to be opposition. Whenever we make a commitment, whenever we say this is what I want to do, I want to hunger and thirst after the Lord, I want there to be more of a relationship, not just a visit, but an ongoing relationship, there's going to be opposition. And, and so there was with Zacchaeus. First of all, there's physical limitations. Uh, for Zacchaeus, he was short. He couldn't see Jesus from the crowd. The people were all there, and he, he, he couldn't see. And I, probably when he got close to the people and they saw who it was, they probably put their, their leg out, you know. That's, that's Zac, Zacchaeus, here, let me help you. You know, they didn't like him. He was unpopular, and he knew it. They, they murmured against him. They, did, they didn't like him. So there, there's physical limitations. Sometimes you have physical, emotional and just outright physical limitations, aches and pains, and aging. I'm a senior citizen. I know all about it. Think, you know, I, my knee started hurting about a year ago, and I told that to Norm Hester. I said, oh, I don't know what happened. He says, hey, brother, at our age, you don't have to have a reason. <laughs> and you just, that's how it is. And so what do you do when you have opposition? Some people give up. Not Zacchaeus. He pushed even more. He ran ahead. He ran ahead, ran up that tree. You see, we had a, a church member here. Some of you old-timers might remember. His name was Tad. This is years ago. He never complained, was always blessed and very thankful to be in church. You know, Tad, he was blind and he was deaf, both blind and deaf. And he would come with his Braille Bible. He knew where I was preaching because I just preached through the book. And he'd bring that section. And, and during the worship service, he could feel the vibrations of the, of the worship. And he was so happy. And then when the, when, uh, the, when the sermon come, he'd just go over and over the, the text. And when, when his church was over, he'd come out, and I'd always say hello to him. I'd take Tad's arm, his hand, and he'd put his thumb right on my larynx and his, his fingers on my lips, and I'd say, good morning, Tad, it's Pastor Jim. And then he'd say good morning, and we'd have a little conversation. Never complained. Never complained about anything. Church members would... Ex at, when he went home, they lived in a little community, and they'd share with him the message and some of the detail. And so opposition, it didn't, it didn't embitter him. It didn't push him away. Sixteen years ago, my beloved wife, Shonda, 
had macular degeneration in one eye and went to the other. All of a sudden, she can't see or see very poorly. Driver, no more driving. What, what would happen? How would you, if, if I took your driving, if I took your, your keys away, couldn't drive anymore. Imagine that. Now imagine you can't see. Imagine, wouldn't that be horrible? Well, it, it is. But yet, God has helped her and lots of tears and lots of sorrow, but she pushed through, wasn't discouraged. She learned how to paint. I didn't even know she could paint with a magnifying glass. This, here's, the, here's the canvas, here's the magnifier like this. Beautiful impressionistic art. She made some money, giving a lot of it to me. <laughs> Keep it up, sweetie. But I didn't even know she had that talent. Beautiful. People love her art. And, and she still serves. You, you know, she teaches. First time she taught in Indonesia, it took her 17 hours to go over her notes with her magnifying glass. Just that's her notes, stuff she'd already studied. We didn't give up. Didn't let that, that opposition get in the way, you see? And everybody's got a story. Everybody's got physical limitations and problems and difficulties. Every one of us here, I'm sure we, you could just, we could hear, but you cannot allow that, any of those things, to get in, the, the, to oppose what you know you need to do. You just, you just push through the, and do the right thing, you see. I, you know... When I pastored here, there was a, a tr troublemaker in the church. And I was so happy when we moved to the Philippines. I thought, hallelujah, I'm going to be on the other side of the world. And uh, you know what happened? That guy also moved to the Philippines. <laughs> and then to make it horrible, that's, there's 7,000 islands. He moved to the same city. And then he moved into our house. His name is Jim Davis. And you see, that's it. The biggest troublemaker we have often is ourselves. We'd like to blame somebody, our wife, the government, uh, I don't know, anybody. But Paul says, well, you know, it's, 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 I need to die daily. Woe is me. This, this flesh, it's a constant problem. And he said, I die daily. So it's, it's always there. It's always something to deal with. And we just, we have to be vigilant. We have to go forward. We have to die to the flesh and also the world. Zacchaeus, as soon as Jesus said, come on down. I'm gonna, I want to be in your house. All the people started murmuring. And it says in, uh, in, in verse 7, they began to grumble when they saw it. He's gone to, the, to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And, they, and the word grumble in the Greek, it means the buzzing of bees. You can just hear, you know, how can that be? And there's opposition. When you want to get close to the Lord, when you make a commitment, sometimes those that know you will, will be adversity. You'll, you'll be faced with adversity. And when we moved to the Philippines, some of our family did not want us to go. I remember my father-in-law, he, he didn't want us to go. I think he'd want me to go, but not his lovely daughter <laughs> and his grandchildren. And so, anyways, there's opposition. What do we do? We have to stand up. We have to oppose it. We have to make the right choice. And God has given us the strength. He's given us everything we need. And if we seek, we will find. And it says in James, as we draw close to God, what does he do? He draws close to us. And Satan flees. So we have that guarantee. If we just push through, God will meet us and enable us and strengthen us. And that's exactly what happens to Zacchaeus. And so, 
We also have opposition from Satan. He hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your family. He hates this church. He hates everything that is right. He's the great deceiver. He's the, called an angel of light. He's the accuser of the brethren. There's some of our beloved brothers and sisters that are not here this morning. Why? Because Satan has told them they're no good. The devil said, oh, you've sinned. You can't go to church. You can't show up. Oh, how could you? You're a hypocrite. You see, that's what he does. He's accuser of the brethren. And, he's, and, he, and see, this, Jesus made this very clear. When they all started buzzing like bees, he says, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save who? That which is lost. So Jesus is a friend of sinners. And he's, he's my friend and I'm a sinner. And you see, this is the beauty of the truth of the gospel. That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say, for God so loved all the good people. For God so loved all the holy, 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 whatever that is, that he gave his only. No, no, no. For God so loved the world. That includes Muslims. Yeah, God loves them. Do you? We need to love them. We don't love what they do. We don't, we don't like their book, but we need to love them. That's the only way they're going to come to Jesus, if we love them. And God does. And so here, here he is with all this opposition. He just pushes through. You know, the, the uh, mom found the little boy, and his, ha his hand was in a very expensive vase, and he, he couldn't get it out. She put cooking oil and tried to pull it out and couldn't. She's all concerned and frustrated. What am I going to do? And, oh, boy, your dad's going to be home. Maybe he has an idea. He couldn't, she, I don't want to break it because maybe I'll cut him. And it's kind of a valuable how do you get his hand in there? You got to get it stuck. So dad comes home and goes, honey, look at your son's dead. Your son did. He got his hand stuck in the vase. What are we going to do? Dad came over and said, uh, said to his son, son, uh, do you have something in your hand? He said, yes. So what is it? He says, it's a quarter. He says, you let go of the quarter. Let go of the quarter. Pull his hand right. See? Sometimes we, we got our hand on something. And God wants us to let go. Stop that. You know, let go of that. Get set free. You see, get, you know, respond to the Holy Spirit. When he, when he told you, do it, you see? And so that's it. Uh, true satisfaction is the hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'm, my time's up, and I'm only on the second, first point. I'm sorry. I got so excited. You're such a good group. Uh, let me finish this up real quick. So uh, Jesus wants to stay at your home. <laughs> How's that? He doesn't want to just visit. He wants to move in. <laughs> and uh, what does that look like? Well, uh, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Oh, golly, we better clean up the house. And uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. And uh, so he, he said, I'm going to stay at your house. Boy, was Zacchaeus happy. And uh, never was the same. When the Lord comes into your life, into your home, it's never the same. God is seeking individuals. He's seeking you. You see, he knows your name. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to have a fellowship, a friendship. We've been friends for, wow, we've been friends for a long time. I don't know, 40, 48 years? Been married for 44 years? We love each other. What do we do around the house? We talk to each other. You know, wow, you talk to each other? Really? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we listen to each other. We spend time with each other. Sometimes we even disagree because <laughs> we're normal, you see? But there's a relationship. And this is exactly what the Lord wants. He says, come, I want to spend 
the day with you. He wants to know you. He calls Zacchaeus by name. He knows you by name. And he loves you and he cares for you. Psalms 139, I don't have time to read it. It just tells us how much God knows about us. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. He knows your option. I could do this, A, B, C, and D. D's not good. I preach you to do A, but then you end up doing D. He knows every choice you have. He knows everything about you. And he loves you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I just, I'm so fascinated with the truth of that. That God knows us and he loves us. And so, this is it. He, he wants to come. He wants to have that fellowship. And then, last of all, Jesus wants to transform your life. He wants to change you. He wants to change us. To be like him. And that's the beauty of it. Once we come in contact with the living Lord and see all of his beauty and see all that he is and all that he offers, we want to respond the appropriate response. And this is exactly what Zacchaeus says. He said to him, he says, Behold, Lord, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. I don't even need it. I'm going to give it. And then all those people I defraud, and there were probably thousands, I'm going to give back four times. This is with interest. And this is, he was changed. And see, this is what happens when you submit, when you surrender, your life changes. You go from a taker to a giver. You see, and that's what Jesus said, more blessed is, is the giver, the one that gives. It's more of a blessing to give. We use that just with tithing, but that means your whole life. In the 40, I don't know how many, 46, 7 years of being a Christian, the happiest Christians I know have been givers. Some of you remember Mary Murphy. What a giver. She was a giver. When her house burnt down and lost everything, you know, she used to always answer the phone, hello, Jesus loves you. And after her house burnt down, she lost everything, her and Fred. I, I called her. I, wonder, I said, I wonder how she's going to answer the phone. And she, I said, she says, hello. She says, hello, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and she was a giver. And she was happy. And so this is it. When you're transformed, you become a giver. That was a change in the prodigal son. He said, give me. But then when he went out and experienced life and reality, he said, I'm going to return to the Father and say, make me a servant. You see, that's transformation. From being a taker to a giver. And that's where the blessing is. Jesus wants to transform our lives. And we just have to be willing. We just have to say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender all, as that beautiful hymn says. I surrender all. You know, I've joked about it. Uh, I spoke here before, and I, I say the modern translation is, I surrender 10%. 10% to Jesus, I surrender. Oh, how about 20? That's pretty big. 30, 40, 50? But the song says it. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. There's only one thing he wants from you, and that's your love. That's all. That's all he wants. He won't take it from you. He wants to walk and talk and be with you. That's what God wants. A friendship. Intimacy. And you can have it in Jesus. Shall we stand as we close in prayer and the worship team come and those that will pray with the people? Shall we pray? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We pray that we would respond like Zacchaeus. That we would look and seek after Jesus every day. Walk and talk and listen. Help us, Lord, to let go of those things, those trinkets. Let, help us, Lord, to just let go and embrace you. 
that today we would allow you to transform our lives. Help us, Lord. Thank you that you're gracious and loving. We give you all the glory in Jesus' precious name.